Hey everybody and welcome to the Vulnerable Entrepreneurs coming at you from the great city of Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm Sean Riley. And I'm Common Thrath. And today, like always, we're having a no bullshit conversation about the entrepreneurial way of life. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, excited to have a really dear friend of mine who I've met in college. We are a fellow PC Province College friar, Francisco. So hey Francisco, how are you doing? Super good today. It's a warm day down here in Florida, but missing those New England New England summers. Nothing quite like it. Florida, huh? There's a little bit of the flu or something going on down there in Florida. <laughs> I mean, what's going on? I'm hearing like it's going to fall off in the Atlantic Ocean. It's so bad. <laughs> you know, you guys don't obey the rules for four months. This is what happens. Come on. What's going on? Surviving and thriving, at least at least on my end. That's I can talk about myself. So I'm I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Should you have a mask on or something? It's that contagious down there. I'm oh, afraid I'm gonna catch something. Apple's gonna pass it through to me. <laughs> where are you? Where are you in Florida? So I'm in Tampa. Oh, one of my heroes is uh, he. I don't know if he still owns it. Jeff Vinnick, who was the second fund manager for um, the Fidelity Magellan Fund, he bought the. Did he buy it or start it? I think he, he bought, bought it, it, right? He bought it. He bought it. Bought Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Nothing like buying a hockey, an ice hockey team in Florida. That's that's a gutsy call right there. But it's, and they're doing good. That's a good section of the city. I love it down there. I like Tampa. Yeah. That's a good time. <laughs> How are you kind of staying, a, staying busy through all this? I think just you kind of like, you know, trying to just like how, what are you doing to, to kind of just outside of work, just kind of have a little fun or, or stay a little sane. Yeah. I guess that's, that's like the biggest thing, right? Is like how, how to keep your mind occupied and how to keep it, but active. So a lot of it has been being very active on LinkedIn and growing relationships and really seeking out different thought leaders and people that I can learn from. You know, so at a young age, at 26, I still have a pretty decent um, career ahead of me. So I want to meet the best of the best and really focus on that community of mentors and, and my support system. And throughout this whole process, reading books, taking courses, different certifications, I've always been like kind of like act like it's interesting in that my idea of relaxing is like active so it's like taking a course or reading a book or talking with someone and but it's always so important to to take a pause and to express gratitude right to those people in our lives because if we think about our career and everything like we've gone to where we've gotten because somebody has invested their time and their wisdom in us so it's been what's interesting is during the time I felt more connected than ever right people are willing to jump on a zoom call or on a phone call and that's what's so awesome that's what makes life beautiful it's the stories we hear and how they influence us and make us better so on that note I think, I think he's ready for his uh I think his badass <laughs> intro Sean what do you think <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think, I mean, 26 years old, we better hurry up. His life is coming to a close. I mean, my God, he's, well. he's halfway through crying out loud. That's a, is that millennial designation too? Is that, are you considered a millennial? 
Yeah, I already had my quarter life crisis. Actually, oh, we're gonna have a ball of this. I cannot wait. I, I didn't realize you're a I, think like meta, I, I heard that there's like a breakthrough. Like they found like potentially a way to uh, slow down uh, aging. So I um, mean, you could be around uh, 150. <laughs> so I don't think you're a quarter of the way there. It could be only like 10. Yeah, percent that's um, brilliant, man. All right, well, let's have here we go. So. We have, you know, we have here a rising star in, in advising by employee benefits advisor. He, you know, uh, is a digital marketing uh, on the digital marketing advisory board member of the University of South Florida, marketing chair for the University of Tampa uh, Board of Counselors, uh, and we definitely uh, I'm looking forward and have the honor of speaking today once again with Francisco. So, welcome to the Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Really excited. <laughs> welcome. So in, in your life, Francisco, when we met, you know, I, I can't remember how many years now. It's like maybe it's eight years ago or, or more. Um, it was at like a network. I was, I was, I graduated and I remember, I remember you. And we, we met in just like a network alumni uh, meeting with students and we chatted and then we just kind of connected ever since. And I think that's the, the really unique thing about the PC community is, the, the network of community and how we stay in touch. But you, I, and I followed you a little bit as I, as I kept an eye on you was you're an insp motivator, inspired, inspirational speaker. And it just seems like you just, you have another milestone and another milestone and another milestone. So tell us a little bit like what, what drives you? Like, what's your purpose? Like how, what got you into that? Definitely. I think, you know, my, you know, one of the biggest things that has been a differentiator, differentiator in my life is having a mindset of viewing challenges as opportunities to thrive and opportunities to grow, right? Everything that I do is fueled by that mindset. And what the understanding is, I may not have all the information, I may not have everything that I need, but creating momentum means taking action. Because when we take action, those vague ideas and those theories become something that we can act upon. So that's always driven me. But my, the, my why and what I, what I aim to do is to really elevate people, help people elevate themselves because throughout my career and throughout my life, you know, our time on this earth is limited to, to some degree. So what is the legacy? What is this impact that we want to leave? And for me, that's about, you know, leading with heart, leading with empathy and leading with values and really being this like knowledge hub or this resource for people, for them to go farther and faster and higher than I ever will. And I know my trajectory still has a long way to go but the more we give back and the more we empower others, that's kind of, that's what fuels me forward. It's interesting. You Providence college guys call it a networking event at Bryant. We call it a keg party and we just show up and <laughs> chat about whatever. We don't get fancy. We're not the fancy school in Rhode Island. Um, you know, it's interesting. If you look at your career and your life, we're very much, um, uninflated balloons and your network and your people and your, your circle of friends, family and, and professional context are all the air that goes into that balloon. And when you talk about, particularly as you mentioned, times like this, 
this is a great opportunity for us to fill up that balloon so we can, you know, frankly sail higher than we would normally. What, what, what I like about, I mean, I'm 51 and a half. So clearly my life is almost over depending on the day I might make it through the weekend. But what I like about your perspective is in some ways I have to look down. My career is at a certain arc now and I can look back or down, but you being 26, I think I can barely remember being 26. I get at that age, you or part of your career, you get to look up. So if you look up and you're talking to seasoned entrepreneurs, right? What do you look for in a leader? What are some of the traits that you frankly demand as someone who isn't an entrepreneur yet, or doesn't own a business yet, or, or doesn't manage a lot of people, but, you seek to be led for that knowledge. What are those traits that you look for? What makes me a good leader to you? It's great. It's a great, great question. And one that I, I myself always kind of ask myself, right, is who do, you, who do you seek out to work with? And what are those elements or what are those things that I want to improve upon myself that I, that I, I know and I see in another person, but I haven't got there yet? So that's kind of like the context behind like my perspective and my mindset behind it. I think the leaders that I'm attracted to are those leaders who lean in into the unknown, into the uncomfortable. I remember this year having the opportunity to watch Sarah Blakely speak here in Tampa, Florida. And what was awesome and what was really amazing of what she said and that I really connected to was she, she mentioned, you know, as I went into these different meetings and I met these different people, they all told me business is war. And she said, but I didn't want business to be war. So I honored a different path and I created that vision. That's what I strive for every day. So it's that perspective of, you know, collaboration and the collective creates greater to someone who the unknown and the uncomfortable and who focuses on what they can control. And three, the, the empathy and the vulnerability factor. I think it's, it's so powerful when we see these leaders of different companies, you know, of all sort of all ranges and sizes and they're very transparent and they're very honest and like, I don't know everything, but here's what I do know. And here's what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. So leaders who communicate and communicate with purpose. So that's kind of what I look for when I, when I seek out leaders or even peers, right? I think it's so important to not only have leaders to look up to, but having that support system behind you too. That kind of is a linchpin behind everything. Yeah. You know, we do entrepreneurs do a great job of trying to keep score in a place where there's, there's no score because there's no winner. Like your business, you don't either win or lose. Um, It's infinite that there's always, there aren't any rules. It doesn't apply to sports. We're not warriors. We're not at war. We're running a business. And to keep that perspective, um, not to say, well, we're going to kill our competition. Eh, really? But, but that's not really your purpose. Your purpose is to run a business and if somebody succeeds or fails, it's not necessarily respectively directly related to, to your success 
or failure. So we try to create these end zones and sidelines. Like I was a coach for a long time. You can probably tell that are artificial, right? You got to, you got to live your purpose and manage your business to that purpose. And that will be successful. I think sometimes business feels like a war, but really it's a war against ourselves, not against whoever the perceived enemy is, which is the market. You can't have the enemy be the market as well as be your customer. So I think that that's a fascinating idea. I tell everybody that we hire at my firm and companies I've had before, you know, there's always a lot of downward pressure on the candidate. You have to be a good fit for our culture. That's actually wrong. It has to be a mutual thing. We have to be a good fit for you too. And, and one of my partners said this in a TEDx talk, and I never really believed him until recently. And he's right as usual, but culture is an output. It's not an input. It comes out of the people and the processes and the values and the purpose we put into our business. And yes, the leader can be the igniter, can be the starter of it. But I mean, I founded RAF. It's not my company. It's everybody's company because everybody has to work or it doesn't work. So everybody has an integral part. Um, when I ran a staffing company, I was a CEO because there needed to be one. But people that are doing their their manual um, entry-level jobs, that's critical too. And they have to do their job. So we have to be a good fit for you and you have to be a good fit for us. If you look at all of the leaders that you've had or bosses you've had or, or jobs you've had, what, are, what is one thing that all of them had that you really embraced? Was it passion? Was it hard work? What, what was it? And what do you look for in your future bosses? Great, great question. I think the ability to, to be a visionary, right? The ability to kind of take these challenges and have kind of this mess methodology of sorts of assessing it. So understanding what's going on, what is the process, what is the methodology behind it, then contain is the word I want to use, but it, it's not necessarily contained, but it's kind of figuring out the different factors and what are, you know, the manual processes in that and what are things that you can optimize and you can improve and then transitioning, right? Taking, going from the assessment to the optimization to the transition and kind of creating that cycle, right? Of, of continuous improvement and of being a visionary for others, right? And, and you touched upon this as, as when you were talking about, right? Yes, business is business, but at the end of the day, it's about who you serve and how you're and how you are improving what and how you're improving what you're what you're giving to them, whether it be a product or service. There's always room for growth and there's always room for improvement. But what's important to us may not be necessarily important to them. So we have to we have to get outside our head and have those conversations and get that right. feedback, whether we like it or not that's what's going to grow our business. So, Cisco, like you mentioned about leaning into the unknown and the vulnerability or someone just having the vision. So with your responsibility as a leader within yourself and your organization, right, doing the marketing and operations, um, right now a lot of businesses are trying to figure out what does our business look like? What does marketing look like for us or our, our operations if it's, you know, our team's remote? So tell me some scenarios that you guys have been running into that have been really challenging for you to really kind of make you uncomfortable to figure out, you know, what you need to do to help 
you know, your business, but also the, the, the clients that you serve. So what are some things that have been kind of really challenging and what, what, what did you do? Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the first things that we have to always keep in mind is our tone, the tonality and, and what we're saying, right? It, it, because, you know, one of the biggest things that happened is when this whole pandemic and entirety of COVID hit, um, we're in the healthcare and health insurance space. But what's what the, the shift was is that people, they want to buy and they want to be educated, but they don't want to be sold to, right? And I think that's always been the universal truth of people want something that will give them peace of mind, that will optimize what they do or, or, or will save them money. That's just kind of, you know, there are more factors that go in between, but those are kind of like the three out, outcomes that people wish for. But with those three outcomes in this situation, what happens is people don't want to see like you're using this as an opportunity, right? Or you're taking advantage of it. So that first challenge is how to communicate, but communicate with empathy and not necessarily, hey, here I am to sell you this thing, but hey, here I am. You've been a client of ours for X amount of years. What could we do right now to help you, right? So it's instead of focusing on the upselling or those different elements is, how can I serve you right here and right now in to order to gain that trust? I think that's the biggest thing is gaining trust in everything that you do, but doing it in such a way where it's personalized and where it's human, right? We should never sacrifice that element because that's what makes the, that's what allows you to communicate to the heart and to the mind of a person. If you, being in the marketing space, do you look at technology as a crutch to your business or, or the way you do business? Do you think it inhibits your creativity? I mean, you watch a show like Mad Men. Those guys had it pretty, I mean, go bang out typewriter and get some grease, um, what they call those grease pens and draw it out. Like, do you think the technology makes it easier today to do marketing therefore you become less creative do you think it helps your creativity do you think you worry about it less the delivery of x and you use technology how do you view technology today that's a that's a very thought-provoking question it kind of goes back to you know what is the mix and what is what is it that you're going to do with it i think before we ever think about implementing a technology we must first develop a process whether it be even if it is manual, right? You can't put the cart before the horse. You have to have a process and you have something, you know, just because there's a tool to automate, if you've never done that before, then it kind of defeats the purpose because you, you've, you haven't developed the understanding to be able to truly implement that tool to use it effectively. So do I think it um, inhibits creativity? Not necessarily. I think it makes us more efficient and more streamlined in what we do. I think what we always have to be aware of is we have, we have to do it first and we have to develop the process first before we consider adding the technology. Technology allows you that scalability factor, but it's the human factor that really unlocks the power behind it. Do you find 
your clients or, or, or the leaders of those companies to know and be able to articulate what they want. In other words, in order for me to get you to do some kind of project, I have to be able to articulate what it is I'm trying to solve or market or sell or whatever it is. Do you find entrepreneurs have a difficult time articulating that? I think what, what can happen sometimes is that we go product first instead of market first. And, and by that, what I mean is, is that we create this wonderful product that has all these nifty features and doodads and all that, but there isn't a need for it. Right. So now we have one, we have one, not one problem, but one area that we have to focus on is we have to educate and we have to kind of create that pain point and, or make it more visible. So I think that's, that's the, you know, the first consideration is how are you going to enter a market if you're creating an entirely new product and if you're creating something better, how can you make that twist, that change visible, right? It's, it's like this, but better. So I think the, the challenge is how, how do we make our differentiator visible in a world where differentiators are lasting shorter and shorter and shorter just because of all these different, you know, market forces and innovation and drive of other um, individuals. Exactly right. right. So we're, we're seeing a lot of businesses with budget cuts, layoffs, right? And you're probably dealing with this with, with clients as well. And now, can you talk about how, like, maybe how CMOs should handle budget cuts? Like, yeah, I think that's, that's the, you know, one of the things that happens in, in our world is kind of what, what has marketing been doing lately? What are the leads? What is the end result? And, and, and it's a tough conversation to have, right? And, and when we have that conversation, we have to be armed with the data and the data in context, right? Because if it can be great that we have X amount of viewers and X amount of people that we reached, but if it isn't tied to that business outcome, whether it be, you know, awareness, sales, retention, then we can't really have that conversation to potentially avoid that, right? This isn't to say that just because you're on with the data and just because you're proving and showing that it is tied to a business objective that, you know, budget cuts aren't going to happen, but then you're preparing yourself to show what is the business case and what is the value that you're driving. So when it comes to that, I think we have to kind of go back to methodology that I mentioned before is assess what's working well and what isn't contain those costs of those things that aren't working well and then transition, create an action plan moving forward, whether that be, you know, creating brand champions. So the biggest voice and the strongest voice that any company has is its employees. And with places such as LinkedIn, they can become your kind of 24 seven of sorts, not promotion, but 24 seven human and actionable marketing. So utilize your people. And I think we, we've touched upon this, but they truly are your greatest asset because they're your voice and they represent it and they represent it to people who will say, I'm listening to Francisco, not because he is the, C, the CMO, but because he is in the position that he is 
So he knows what he's talking about. In all the roles that we have, and even in your job, right? We, a lot of it comes from our upbringing, what we've been exposed to, what we haven't been exposed to, um, hurdles that we've run into, um, risks that we have or have not taken, and everyone has a different level of risk. So I want to get a little uh, insight on, on who you are. And it's like, tell us some like hurdles that you've had to overcome through childhood and leading up to now that, that yeah. still resonates with you. So what are some hurdles or, or, or negative impacts, which we might call it failures and, and I call it lessons. I think everything is a lesson, but like, what are some, some, some deep wounds and scars that have happened to you that really ha- defines you? Exactly. And, and you touched upon it, right? And in, in life, it's about, it's not we win or we lose, but how I say kind of like your variation of my variation of what you said is in life, either we win or we learn. That's just, that's just how it is. Right. What you're, you're saying, you know, I think when it, when I look upon my life and I look what I've been through being born and raised in, in San Juan, Puerto Rico, going to college in, in Rhode Island. Right. So facing four years of snow, hail, blizzards, and, and everything in between, because I was told during my campus visit that there were only mild winters in Rhode Island. And yes, that is slightly my fault for not asking, what is a mild winter to somebody, to somebody that's lived there their entire life, right? But after- the monks lied to you, they flat out lied to you, all of them. <laughs> Every one of them slides. to you. <laughs> And after going through those four years, right, and, and developing all these relationships like, like Cam and all these people that I met, it could have been so easy for me to pursue my MBA at Providence College. It would have been the easiest choice, right? It was an environment that I knew. I knew the teachers. I knew everybody. I was like this kind of like mini, mini, mini celebrity, not to like say I'm, I'm you know, the hottest thing since sliced bread, but having been on national public radio and different, you know, public speaking engagements, I had kind of developed my own like network or, or center of influence. Right. But when I looked upon my life and everything that I had been through, I said, you know, the, the, cho- the easy choice isn't always the right choice. And the reason why it isn't the right choice is because when we, when we go with comfort and we go with what we know, we miss out on the opportunity of completely changing the trajectory of our life. And that's kind of the nudge that I use to go to Tampa to pursue my MBA and to then continue here afterwards, right? So kind of taking that transitionary step and going to graduate school to a completely new place where I didn't know a single human being. And it was challenging, right? Like I, 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 I can tell you, like when I first moved, I was like, you know, why didn't I just continue in Providence? Why didn't I just continue with what I'd known, right? It kind of, in a way, it, it forced me to look upon my identity, to really look upon my wine, to find that, that, that area and those areas of, of strength again. But what it taught me is that I can go to an entirely new place and I can, and I can thrive in it. Right. We just have to kind of get our bearings and kind of 
get involved in the community, right? Whether it be joining the Chamber of Commerce or the alumni board, or there's so many different things you can do to kind of make transitions not easier, but you can kind of like accelerate your learning curve. What makes you vulnerable? Uh, what makes me vulnerable? Oh, there's a stumper, man. I got him. Look at that. I got the millennial. I stumped the millennial. Look at that. Got to be direct. <laughs> of course I, I do. <laughs> what makes us vulnerable is is not knowing. At least myself, it's it's not knowing, right? Because as as humans and as somebody who has gone through undergraduate and graduate school, we kind of always look for the one right answer, or, or if, if it's not one right answer, right? There's only two, three or four different options, right? But when we look at the world of business, there is no one right answer because you can have two different individuals, same product, same everything, but in the way they approach people and the way they market and the way that they conduct business is different and the outcomes are completely different, right? There, there are some variables that say stay constant, but the way in which it can, it can execute and it can kind of bubble up mm -hmm. is entirely different. So that's what I would say is what makes me vulnerable is, is not knowing because the path is not visible. But the beauty of it is, is that even if there is no path, we can create some plan and the, and the beauty and the reality of it is no plan has to be set in stone. Nothing is static, right? But at right. least gives you an actionable and digestible way that you can act upon. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, people lose sight of the fact that literally everything is a choice no matter what it is that comes at you your, your state of mind in a day is a choice you wake up you can be irritated like i was this morning or you can be happy that's a choice you make that choice it's not uh, uh something that's as you say set in stone your plan for your career is not set in stone nor is your business um ideas or or even passions none of that stuff is set in stone. as we kind of you know, begin to wrap things up here. We go through, this is fairly new. I think you're the second or third guest we've had to, to, um, that we administer this to. I just like that work. So, you know, nasty. Um, there was a, there was a show, um, on TV for a long time. Uh, I think it was on Bravo called inside the actor studio and the host James Lipton did this, um, questionnaire that a French, journalist came up with when he did interviews. I think it was back in the 40s and 50s. So we're going to run through 10 questions. You give us your quick answer, your honest, vulnerable, but quick answer. Um, frankly, I still think we're waiting on Com's favorite word, but he just took too long, but he likes to overthink stuff. But quick, Don't overthink it. Dirty answer. it. I was overthinking yeah, it when I tested this it. thing the first time. It was a complete <laughs> fail. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Oh, let's make it happen. What, you, what is your favorite word? My favorite word, vulnerability. Ah, yeah. You send him a t-shirt. He gets a plug for the podcast. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Uh, ungrateful. 
My, my least favorite word? Yeah, I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. What turns you on? Uh, meeting people. What turns you off? Um, not learning something new. What sound do you love? <laughs> I think the sound of a smile, right? I think it's it's pretty cool. Like when you see, I, I mean, yeah, a smile smiles have a sound, yeah. But, but it resonates. It resonates. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you, man. Smiles make noises. What sound do you hate? Um, when you burn something on the stove that you're really looking forward to eating. <laughs> <laughs> That's an answer right there. What is your favorite curse word? Oh, <laughs> you can say it too. <laughs> you can say it too. We go for that E every time, the explicit on the podcast. Oh, man. Um, favorite curse word? Oh, Parents well. are listening. Damn it. These PC guys don't swear. What's going Damn on? Damn it. Guys swear like we're yeah, truck drivers. Not, he's changing color. You really got him. <laughs> Do you say damn it, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. right, good answer. What profession other than yours would you attempt? Oh, other other than being a marketer or being yeah. in the health space? Yeah, anything. I think a storyteller. I think there's there's no there's no better way to convey emotion and to convey lessons than stories. So storyteller. My family's Irish. Come on, on any holiday or funeral or wedding, we'll tell stories till you're blue in the face and plenty to drink. What profession would you not like to participate in? It's hard to say right without, without being, without experiencing the profession itself. <laughs> Um, oh geez, I think, I think any, any job where I'd, I'd have to smell like, smell something that that's kind of rank. I think it's not, not, not my, my favorite thing in the world. Something that makes you nauseous, right? It's, uh, nope. (laughs) If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrived at the pearly gates? Oh, wow. That is, um, you are not perfect in your journey, but you always strove to become better and to help others become better. Excellent answer. Excellent. Well, well done, Francisco. Way better than I handled those questions. (laughs) Um, So, we always love to, you know, wrap up here and we want to give a chance for you to kind of you know, do your plug. And you know, so we want to know, like, what are you working on? So, and, and how can people get a hold of you? Great, great questions. Great answer. Great question. I almost said great answer though. Like I'm already, I'm already. You got them all flustered, Sean. You got them yeah. all flustered. See? That's all right, man. I will crack already, any nut you put in front of me, man. Jeez, jeez. I'm already prefacing my answer. It's going to be great. So I, I got to live up to it now. Um, right now, what we're doing is we're working 
with companies of every size to help them implement affordable and sustainable models that improve their healthcare offerings while offering while offering cost savings, right? So really giving people those tools and resources where they can better access healthcare and leads to better health outcomes, but that there isn't an increased cost to it, which is cool, right? Because by doing this, you know, employee benefits and healthcare are their number one or number two expense for any company in the United States of America. And what this can mean, right? It can mean between a company having to lay off their their workforce or restructuring their healthcare, getting better benefits and keeping their employees to tell you. Right now we're projected to save a company in year one, $10 million. And what's awesome wow. is that they're taking that $10 million and making their employee benefits even better to show them that they are their greatest asset and yeah. to really protect their workforce during these times, which is pretty cool. Nice. Really nice. Oh, and I can be contacted on LinkedIn. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm really passionate about employee um, benefits and marketing and mindset. So it can be, we can talk about almost anything under under the moon, right? I think that's just what makes life beautiful is exposing ourselves to these new ideas or to different perspectives that force us outside our comfort zone. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And if there's a parting thought that I would have to leave, it's my favorite quote from the writer of Winnie the Pooh and it's, you're braver than you believe and stronger than you seem and smarter than you think. That's brilliant, man. That was awesome. Profound. I like it. No, definitely enjoyed your time with us, Francisco. This was amazing. And I love the fact that we got you getting a little squeamish. Accomplish. I mean, I know, I, it's vulnerable. I don't feel nearly as old as I did when he said he was 26. Like, I still got game, man. Look at that. Not much, but I, I do still have a, a wee bit. A wee bit, as they say in Ireland. A wee bit. Yeah. Um, well, uh, looking forward to you guys connecting with us. Uh, reach out to us. You'll see the information of how to contact us on different platforms, social media, podcasts, and our email. Um, until next time, go out there and crush it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, my man. Good luck to you. And if you ever need anything, give us a call. We're around. Absolutely. Sounds good. Same Thanks, here. my man. All right. Cheers. Take Bye. care, Francisco. Bye. Bye. So this is not so much just for our listeners. It's with our listeners. We're doing this with them, not just for them. We're all together in this big, massive, disconnected group called entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at The Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Twitter and Instagram at The VE Podcast. The VE Vulnerable Entrepreneur Podcast. And join the conversation by visiting us on our website, thevepodcast.com. And email us at hello at thevepodcast.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. That wraps it up. We understand that every minute of your day is valuable, and we appreciate you spending time with us today.